My name is Caroline, and today's scripture comes from Luke 1. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Um, I see. Uh, great to see everybody today. My name is David McLeod. I have an opportunity to speak with you today and welcome you to this second week of Advent. I enjoy so much this Advent time as we sort of get ready and we have this idea that here comes Christmas. It's, it's something that we, we look for, we relish, we think about. And I love this passage. I think it's such a cool one. Um, but it's a special time of year. I got uh, probably the coolest Christmas card ever from the Cardonas. If you have a chance to see their uh, Christmas card, it's amazing. Their two little boys are absolutely, uh, it says something like, it's a miracle that we got this uh, Christmas photograph done. That was incredible. Like, I think this is that time of year when we all kind of come out in a sense we're excited, we want something, we, we're hungry for something, we wanna be together, and this is that time of year where we really connect. Well, I love this passage, as I said, and I'm thankful to Caroline for reading it today. It's an interesting passage because here you have two moms and they're coming together and both of these moms are incredibly important. First you have Elizabeth and, uh, and she has little John the Baptist, all right? And he is there uh, in, her, in her womb and he is on his way. She's, she's probably a little more than six months um, till she gives, or uh, six months along. And then there's Mary and we know who Mary is carrying at this point. And, I love this scene because of a couple of things. One is this, um, here you get a really special word that is for a child, all right? And Luke uses this word six different times um, in his book. It's only used eight times in all of scripture, but essentially it's saying this little person, right? This little person, and we see it's not Elizabeth who leaps for joy. It's not Elizabeth who, who does, it's, it's really him. This is John's excitement in the womb over being close to Jesus. So you get something incredible there. And I think of this too in a sense of what is happening uh, culturally at that time. It was an incredibly difficult time for the Jewish God's covenant people. Number one, they were under a, an enormous amount of oppression. There was a huge desire that, that they needed to have some release from everything that they've been under. And really, they wanted a Messiah so badly to deliver them politically and, and, and just really free them from everything that was going on. Today for Advent, I want to really dig into this passage. I want us to think about what this word joy actually means. We use joy, I think, a lot of times as a synonym for happiness. I want to look at that. I want us to consider what the word actually says. I want to see what the center and the nucleus of our joy actually is. 
And then a big question for when we leave, which is how is joy cultivated in our relationships? But let's look at these two women just for a second. This leaping was something that was really different and Elizabeth knew it. I remember when my wife Morelli was, um, was, she was carrying our oldest son, uh, Stephen. And when she was carrying him, Stephen is a big kid. I asked Gabby to put up a, uh, a picture of, uh, of him. And um, this is a picture of our family. Now you notice right away, Stephen is quite a bit bigger than the rest of us. Uh, Stephen is six foot tall. I am a very generous five foot six. And, um, and I, I remember my, uh, our pediatrician, who is a friend of ours, saying one time, you know, I'm, I'm okay if you want a paternity test here. You know, and Stephen was just so big. And, uh, and, and, and just as a little kid, he was just so full of everything. And we, we really enjoyed it. But I remember when my wife was pregnant, there was one evening she had fallen asleep. And, and I saw her stomach and I saw it moving in all of these different ways. And I... It was like an amazing experience for me to see this. I mean, there she's sound asleep, but here's this little person um, who's not really little, but this person who was absolutely in a boxing match with her. And I thought for just a second about Elizabeth. I mean, what a special person she is. Elizabeth here is, is she literally has an experience and here God chooses to give this beautiful, beautiful message to her and to show us a little bit about what was coming. And it's this idea of joy. It's this promise of joy. And I think a lot of us, we, we think of the word of joy and automatically I think the first word we think of is happiness. We want to be happy. There is something very much inside of us. I don't know if you'd say it's existential or, or what the right word would be, but there's something in us that we desperately want to be happy. I mean, essentially, we spend most of our lives seeking after happiness. You might have heard somebody ask you, are, are, are you happy? Are, are you doing okay? Is, what is it like? But we spend a lot of our life seeking after happiness and going after it. And we realize internally that we have a desire for to be happy, but that desire can't be fully met within ourselves. So we spend a lifetime looking for it, seeking it out. How do we find happiness? When we look at this verse and look at this passage and specifically the word joy here, this word is something different. Happiness, I would define as, it's related to a circumstance that brings some kind of pleasure. Happiness is something that is after the fact of something. Um, the other night we were out to dinner and when the plate came, I was happy, all right? It was there, all right? Happiness was a feeling that followed me getting what I wanted. This word joy in Greek, it's actually the word like kara or kara, all right, if we think of it as a name, and it has something significantly different of a meaning. See, joy is not related to you getting what you want. Joy is something not attached to a circumstance because joy is not dependent on something else. Joy is more of a decision. Joy is a choice of sorts. And you see as scripture starts to, to really unfold for us, when we look at places we see this word, 
joy happens in places that happiness never would have. There's one scene where Paul is in prison. And you would think for just a moment of a prison in the ancient world had to be absolutely miserable. And here he is inside of this prison situation. The circumstances are far less than ideal. But it says he had joy. In fact, he had so much joy, he actually breaks into song. And there were jailers, the people that were basically staffing that prison, that were so taken aback by the fact of all places and of all people, this guy is happy, this guy is joyous, he's actually rejoicing in this set of circumstances. Probably thought for just a second, we got to bring in a bunch of like squalor and stuff and make this place worse. You shouldn't be happy here. But it's that important difference, and I really want us to be able to differentiate between the two today. Happiness has a result of some pleasurable circumstance, but joy is different. Joy is something much more. Joy, I would say it like this, joy is finding the answer to the heart's problem. When little John is inside of his mother's womb, it says the Holy Spirit went on to Elizabeth and the, the Holy Spirit did something inside of her that I can't really explain, but, but God did it. And little John had joy. Little John experienced joy because the answer to the big problem was here. The answer to what was the besieging humanity was finally there. The promised one, the Messiah, was there. So today when we look at this passage, I want us to see a little bit about joy. The joy that you see and you recognize when you realize what Christ has done for you. His coming for you, his coming for believers is the ultimate act of love, but is the answer to the problem we all have. It's the answer to the problem of why we seek after happiness, but in ourselves and in other ways and other places here, we don't find the satisfaction that we so seek and desire. And let's be honest, as people, we seek for it lots of different places. We may seek it in some relatively good ways, maybe in a career, maybe in relationships. But at the end of those things, we realize that didn't really meet the need I wanted. It didn't really meet the need that I had, and it didn't get fulfilled the way I wished. And then you might look and say, well, there are times in our lives where we find that how we seek happiness isn't a healthy or good way. We think that, hey, maybe this drink will, will make me happy, and it will might for a little bit. We might look at something else and say, well, hey, that will bring me satisfaction. That will calm this inner desire that I have for something beyond myself. And we come up empty-handed. Well, I want us to see how a little unborn baby today points to each one of us and says, that is the answer. That's the answer. He is the answer of joy. And I find it so amazing how God uses the most unlikely people to point us to joy in this story. You think of John, this unborn child. You think of the shepherds. I mean, shepherds were the most like sort of marginalized and, and fringe group of people. 
God chooses in his plan to have them announce that the Messiah is here. I mean, think of the wise men, and you might look at them and say, well, they're very intelligent, knowledgeable, maybe even wealthy. Well, God called them from a far, far away land, foreigners to come and to say, this is the answer. He is the answer to the problem. He is the one that we've been waiting for and expecting. Today, I want us to look at joy, this idea joy, the seeking for happiness that seems to go unfilled, how joy and what comes through Christ is the answer that we look for as people. See, if we understand what the word means, I also want us to see what the center, what the nucleus of our joy is. John points to it, and you look over scripture and you see it multiple times that that points to always when people can rejoice in circumstances that are challenging and difficult, you see how Christ takes the centerpiece in it all. Because if you really look at the cross, you understand just how much you are loved as a person. Because what you sacrifice for shows what you love the most. And I'll say it again, what you sacrifice the most for shows what you actually love and care about. And if you look at the cross, there is a message there for you and for me because the cross is the ultimate act of sacrificial love. I mean, think about it. The one that John leaps over joy for is the one that goes all the way to the cross living 33 years of life, experiencing what we experience, knowing what it's like to feel temptation, knowing what it's like to feel the harshness of betrayal, knowing what it's like to go through loss, yet never knowing sin. He goes all the way to the cross and realize what happens at the cross. It's a substitute. It's a substitute for you and for me. Because there he takes the place that we deserve because of our sin and our brokenness and our distance from God. The cross is the place where he substitutes himself for us. And he takes upon himself our penalty. He takes it upon us and gives us the opportunity for life. See, if you want to understand and see what the center of joy is, how we can be joyful even when circumstances are less than ideal or absolutely against what we ever could have wanted, we look at how we've been loved. When you see what Christ gave, when you see what it means as believers to be able to say, we call ourselves sons and daughters of his, when you see that and you realize your place I think it gives us joy as we move through this life. And let's be honest, sometimes life is incredibly complicated. It's difficult. And you come up against a series of circumstances that actually take your breath away, that you say, there's no way I could ever in this set of circumstances be joyful or happy or even excited. And you look back and for just a moment, you realize that you are a child of God, that he cares about you. And it really is the second part of joy that I want us to connect with today, that joy comes from the relationship that we have in God and the trust that we have that he is sovereign and control of all details. 
There's a beautiful passage of scripture that comes from John chapter 16 that I want to read to you. Jesus' disciples in this passage are informed by him that he's going to be leaving them. And they're absolutely devastated by this. Jesus has been everything to them. And Jesus had led them. And when they were all astray and struggling, he was the one that would bring them back. He was the one that encouraged them. They had seen him do incredible things. And then to find out in the midst of all of the pressure that they had been under, persecution, they find out that they're going to be left. Now you can understand for just one moment that Jesus knew their hearts so incredibly well. And I want you to see how he addresses their problem and their fear. It says this starting in verse 19. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, but then after a little while you will see me? Verily truly I say to you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. I want you to think about what he says here. He's talking about joy, joy that surpasses circumstances. Even though he says, you're going to grieve and it is going to be painful, there's coming a day when you will know and, and, and that full expression of joy. And I see that this promise gives us peace even when circumstances don't match up to what we wish they would be. It gives hope in a moment of darkness. It gives peace in a time of unrest. And I love the way he explains this. He says, a woman with child, when she's having birth and, and she's going through all of that pain, there's anguish and there's difficulty. But when that child is born, that pain is forgotten. That anguish is left behind because there is a new person in the world. A couple years ago, I had a kidney stone. It was terrible, absolutely terrible. I ended up at Baptist Hospital. And to be honest, when I found out how big it was, I was so bothered that I was so weak in that moment. But I ended up and the doctor said to me, that's the closest you'll ever get to having a child. And I was like, why does anybody ever have a child? All right, I can't, thanks mom, you know? Well, the beauty of the pain is it, it leads to something. It leads to life. It leads to something amazing. A new human being in the world. I mean, how exciting is that? I mean, all I got was a little piece of calcium. I mean, uh, a child is incredible. And I think when he takes us here in this passage to see this, he's saying, yes, he's honest. Life is not going to be what you want it to be. We want a life of comfort and ease, we want a life that is free from any trials and problems. And I mean, honestly, we just want a life to be comfortable. But that is not the case. 
See, the spiritual reality is that life does have trouble. Life does have difficulty. And that is not a sign that you have done something wrong. That is a fact. That's a reality for believers and unbelievers. And we may look at other people and say, well, how come they don't have the same issues or problems that I have? Listen, everybody has them. Everybody has a struggle. But when I look at this, for the believer, there's a message that comes out of this, that the struggle is for something better in the end, that God uses the difficulty in our lives to bring us somewhere else. And you may struggle internally with emotional issues, or you may struggle with family issues, or financial things, or physical things. Whatever the struggle is, know this, it is not just your struggle that your heavenly father cares deeply about you, that if he cared so much to go to the cross for you, that if he cared so much to absolutely show his love through his gift of himself and sacrifice, then he cares very intimately with what you go through, that he cares very, very much about that struggle that you have. And he tells you this, there will be pain and anguish, but just like a mother, just like a mother goes through those things, there is coming a time of joy. There is coming a time of happiness. There is coming a time of rejoicing. And I think that's why during even the circumstances of incredibly challenging and hard things, we can be thankful. We can actually be joyous. We can actually say, God, I, I have no idea and my heart is full of pain, but I trust that you are in control. I believe that you have your hand over all of these things. I trust in who you are and what you have done because there is coming a day when there's life and life more abundantly than there is now. Joy is a hard thing. And I have to ask myself this week, how do we cultivate? How do we, how do we really practice joy when things are sometimes incredibly hard? When things are really difficult, how do we go through those kinds of times with joy? It just, it seems so counterintuitive. It, it seems like it's really an impossibility to do this. And I thought of this. A good friend of mine, his name is Woody Woodham. He did this thing and he would encourage me with this quite a bit as I was going through a particularly dark time, just being really depressed, being really down. He encouraged me with this. He's like, do this one little thing in the morning. Now, I'm not going to tell you that this fixes everything, but it's a start. It was something that became very, very integral into my heart. And it didn't just become at the first thing I try to do. I try to do it now throughout the day at, at really mechanical times because I forget things really easily. But it was starting my day off with being grateful. We're starting off saying, God, thank you for this. Thank you that I am yours. Thank you that even though there are sometimes I can get so down and, and, and it feels, things feel so convoluted, I know this, I'm yours. I'm a son of yours. And then it starts to progress from there of being grateful for what God has done and what he is doing. And it kind of moved me from a place where in the mornings I would start off more along the idea of grumbling and like, I have to do this, I have to get that done. I didn't return that call. I got to get this done. All of these things to where it shifted it to being grateful. I think that that was one important thing of cultivating joy. But another thing is this, it's really realizing that Jesus was a joyous person. 
If you look over his life, yes, he was a person, he was a man that was acquaint, uh, very acquainted with what it meant to have sorrow and difficulty and anguish. And you really look at all the stories as they are given to us in scripture, you see all the things he went through, but you also see that he had joy, that there was times of rejoicing. He had this deep connection with his father. And I want to encourage you with this, joy is found not in you, Joy is really following after that pattern that Jesus has given us by his own example. Like communion with the Father gave him that connection. It reminded him of the joyous nature of what it means to be his. And that deep connection grew and grew. And I think for us, it sets up a beautiful model and a reminder that we follow after what Christ did. We follow after Christ's footsteps. And even more, cultivating this idea of joy is what it means to be living under God's grace, to know that there's a freedom, that we as people have the freedom to live. And we find joy in the things that God has called us to do. See, I think of obedience and, and following after God not as a negative, but it's the joyous expression of our faith, is that we are deeply in tune with the things that God has called us to, that he cares about us as people, and he doesn't tell us not to do things that, keep, that in any way take away from our joy and happiness. He points us in the direction of life and of hope, and that's found in him. Cultivating and practicing joy is very much a choice. Where I believe we look at happiness, and happiness is very contingent on whether you feel something or not, and we know that feelings are up, down, and all over the place, and sometimes they aren't even honest to us. It's not chasing after feelings. It's the spiritual reality that your heavenly father cares deeply about you, values you, loves you, and is part in a sense of carrying you through your entire life. And I think that we sometimes look and we forget those things and we become overwhelmed and overcome by the circumstances we're in and we miss out on an opportunity to actually rejoice to actually be happy. And you see that Christ, all the way to the cross, shows his absolute love for us. But it happened in a communion with the Father. And I sometimes look at it and I think, well, why would you go so far for us? Why would you go so far? I mean, it must be incredible love. But I also think this, bridging the gap that we couldn't making it possible that we could be in relationship with God brought him incredible joy. And you being part of his family brings him joy. That God cares about you shows just how much he values and loves us as people. And I want to encourage you with this. Christmas can be a complicated time. There's all these different things going on. And I have to be honest, I am not much of a Christmas person. My parents had this store in the mall when I was growing up, and it was called Christmas Celebration, all right? It was 365 days a year of Christmas goodies, all right? I mean, Christmas decorations in July, not cool, all right? 
And those songs used to play over in my head, joy to the world, all right. You know, and I think a lot of times we lose this time of year because there's so much going on. Our, like, I think it is a culture, we are so overwhelmed, we're overstimulated, where our expectations are completely out of control. And we lose a chance to rest. We lose a chance to connect back with what it really, really means this time of year, of being reminded that joy did come to the world, that just like little baby John leaped in his mother's womb because he was that close to the Son of God, fully man and fully God, coming to rescue us, I want us to recapture that joy. And this year, I hope that you think a little bit about this beautiful word, what it means to Kara, what it means to Kara to be in joy, to know what it is as a believer, to put our faith and our trust in him, and to know this, that times will be difficult, that they will be challenging, but you are valued and loved because your heavenly father has so demonstrated it on the cross, the beauty of the resurrection, and the fact that he called you and today calls you his. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we're grateful for who you are and what you've done. Father, as we come now to the, the table where we celebrate, we think for just a moment, may our hearts go back. May this be a time of gladness and of thankfulness for what you've done. And Father, as we look at these little elements in just a moment, may we be encouraged just how much you love and care for us. And we ask all of these things in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Today you come to the table and you're going to get that little piece of bread and you're going to...